0: get out of here are we ready Scott good morning everyone uh, my name is Stacy Maston, and this is the wisdom seekers class and I'm gonna be your teacher the Lord earlier this week um, I was reading beginning to read Revelation and um, I read it Monday and I'm just reading through the bible so this is just my little thing and so i read revelation 1 but the next day he got me to read it again and the second time that i read it the very first verse stood out to me in that it had the word show that john was being shown these things and i just clicked on it i mean you know the way we do and um the definition and there's meaning the definition is not interesting. Um, This is not some secret that we're going to find from the word. It just means exactly what we think it means, to show. But whenever I was looking through all the verses where this word was used, that's where the interesting part really came in, as well as just thinking about our own lives. When you tell someone that you're going to show them something, I mean, you reveal the thing come here I want to show you something and there it is you lay it out or you teach them something you know you are laying out something completely when you want to show somebody something and that is what this word means and it's really a powerful word and used in uh, really powerful passages so this is the word that we're gonna look at today the word show comes from the Greek word new and it means to show, expose to the eyes, to give evidence or proof of a thing, to show by words or to teach, and it's like to to view a depiction that is the righteous intent of God. So we're going to look at this first passage in John Five nineteen 19 through 20 this is talking about obviously Jesus speaking of the father and how he deals with him with regarding his daily activities then answered Jesus and said unto them verily verily I say unto you the son can do nothing of himself but what he sees or bleppo's the father do that word bleppo just means to look at behold or perceive for what things he does These also do the Son likewise, or does the Son likewise, I guess. Maybe I should just use the the King James, the doeth and the thoueth. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that himself doeth. And he will show him greater works, that's Maison, than these that you may marvel. So the other word that I was going to... um, bring to your attention is in verse 20 the father loves the son that's not agapeo that's phileo I found that interesting I think I've always I probably don't even know if I've ever clicked on that before because I think you would assume it's agape right but this phileo is an interesting way for them to interact when you're talking about that friendship aspect of our relationship with the father you do something because you love someone you have that friendship and so it's someone who can be trusted with the needs of another and so the father trusts the son to do the things that he needs for him to do he is his friend and I really loved that aspect of it but what I want to really emphasize that we know that the father wants to deal with us as sons in this same manner showing us the things that he's doing and that is how we prepare to do the things that he is showing us and this is an open showing and sometimes I feel like when the Lord speaks to me or shows me something I mean, there are definitely times when you just know. I mean, you just know everything he's saying. You completely understand it. But sometimes you walk. How come you're here? Well, why couldn't you teach today? Were you busy or something? <laughs> I didn't see you come in. That was surprising. I'm sorry, everybody out there And, I, I land. I switched teaching places with Nancy. And there she is just sitting like, like that. <laughs> just sitting there. I didn't know what I was saying. She oh, was Lord. She, she was gone and right. being dead. She just, she just didn't want to do this. She just passed it off. Wow. <laughs> I'm just not feeling it this week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm really sorry. I was just like, yeah. what? <laughs> she says thanks. Oh, my <laughs> Lord. <laughs> just like that when you're showing something openly (laughs) well as I was saying you know sometimes I feel like the Lord shows me something or he's speaking to me and in that moment when you're in the spirit the clarity is just really amazing and cannot be um, doubted it's like you're just in a complete place of belief and then there are times you walk away and you go okay what was he saying okay maybe I'm not maybe it's just me (laughs) <laughs> because I do that a lot. <laughs> and I, and I, then I'm like, what? Wait, so what exactly are you intimating? what are you trying to show me? And you walk away, and it takes you almost weeks to really glean what the fullness <clears throat> of that nugget that he began. So there are different ways that the Father will show us things. But, you know, as we are in the, the month of the prophet, and we are really focusing on that relationship and him communicating with us and us being able to um, declare and to go forward based on what we're being shown, you know, honestly, I mean, I didn't look through this because of that. I mean, the Lord, how you know how he does, he just brings you to something and you think, wow, this is relevant. <laughs> Yay, God. And so I just think it's really important for us to see that Um, And particularly in this time frame, I believe that maybe these types of encounters where we're shown something openly so that we know clearly what to do is what we're stepping into, um, where you're not three weeks out trying to figure it out. There's still that, he's always relational and bringing you into a point of understanding. But I do believe we've stepped into a a place where the Father is going to be dealing with his sons in this manner. Um, I love this next passage under always in need of further explaining. Because the disciples who had been with Jesus um, clearly often didn't always fully perceive or understand the things that he was telling them. Even though he would explain parables and everything else, they still walked in a bit of darkness, if you wanna call it that. Because if he plainly told them that he was gonna be crucified and all these things were gonna happen, why then were they surprised in the moment that it happened and they all, you know, they kind of abandoned him in the midst of that, even though they knew ahead of time So we recognize that the weaknesses that the disciples had and their humanity are the same weaknesses that we have in our humanity in dealing with the plan of God, even when it's told to us by Jesus, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? We still miss it. We still rebuke it. We still, you know, have a hard time embracing it and saying, okay, we're with you. Because right here in John fourteen eight, Philip says unto him, Lord Jesus, show us the Father, and it will be enough for us. And Jesus said unto him, Have I been so long a time with you, and yet have you not known me, Philip? He that has seen me hath seen the Father. How sayest so, thou then, show us the Father? Believe thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The works that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwells in me. He does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, he do also, shall he do also. Greater Maison works than these shall he do because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. So in this passage, we have these disciples who had spent all this time with the Lord and he was teaching them the whole time and they failed to recognize the connection with him and the Father. They were blinded, as it were, to that revelation. And further, we're going to see some verses where, like the next passage, that where they are rejecting what, what Jesus is saying. But in this passage, we look at um, this greater works. I wanted to point this out for two reasons. But greater, we know is that. That point of expansion. You're in your terio and you're expanding the kingdom by virtue of the things that you're doing on behalf of the Father. But when I was reading the definition for Megas, I just wanted to point this out because I do feel like this is completely poignant for where we are right now. We're dealing with the Megas, the controlling influences that are upon a certain place or region or territory of operation. So, The megas of our country, or even our state or our city, is what we're talking about. And every saint is dealing with their megas, that controlling influence. This implies an authority and dominion that occupies occupies the overall mindset of the people that abide in that particular area. Now, so for me, I, I see this, you know, this national mindset And actually, it's a worldwide thing, so every nation, everyone is dealing with this in their nation because it's an overall agenda of the enemy. But using this power, the enemy is working to morph his agents of unrighteousness into voices that are acceptable within society. And that is what we're dealing with in the megas. These unrighteous voices have become the clarion call of what is good. And everyone is accepting what their rhetoric is. Only they're calling what is good evil and what is evil good. So it is actually contrary, as we know, to the plan of God. I just find this so interesting. So in the greater works, in the Maison, as we seek to expand this, this is what we're trying to um, to control ourselves, we're trying to bring a proper mindset to our megas, to our Terio, but we're, we're obviously um, being opposed by the controlling influences that are currently operating. just found that really interesting. And then we have, you know, in respect to how we deal with the Father, and because Jesus has gone to the Father, and because we have that relationship, we're in that ateo where we are serving someone in authority and on behalf of what he wants to do, we're, we're shawling that or asking that, iteo, um, it's on his behalf. We are his representatives. So this next passage, say what Jesus? In Matthew 16, 21, is really talking about what I had kind of started setting up John about, and I had just kind of got my verses whacked out. But this one is talking about where Peter rejects what Jesus is telling them is about to happen. From that time forth began Jesus to show openly unto his disciples how that he must go unto. Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised again the third day I mean this is not this was not a parable (laughs) and they still rejected it then Peter took him he took him and he began to rebuke him and he said be it far from thee Lord this shall not be unto thee how many times have you heard or said or been around when Someone said something bad was happening, and someone else said, no, this can't be. And they rejected out of hand, and they said, we got to pray and make sure this doesn't happen, or whatever. Happens a million, it's happened a million times. And I think that, of late, we have recognized that God's plan doesn't always mean that it's just going to be, you know, rose petals. And that we're sometimes going to see that things are going to come against us, and we aren't to rebuke it we're not we can't stop it we can't rebuke it we have to walk through it <clears throat> and so i think that peter was a fine example of the way god was trying to show us not to be in this instance yet we've all been this way for most of our lives <laughs> seriously here is jesus himself saying this is going to happen and he rebuked this word That blows my mind, but I can tell you, I know that every one of us, that the Lord has shown us some part of his plan for us, and we have maybe not rebuked the Lord, but we've rejected it, and we kind of walked away saying, you know, that was just me, or I didn't really hear that, or I don't know what excuses we've used. we probably used a bunch of different excuses. I've done it. I know that I've, I mean, I've known the Lord was beckoning me in a certain direction, and I was just like, oh, no, 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 no. I mean, I have really been not ready to hear it, and I know I did that. I just was not ready to hear it, and faithfully, he continued to bring that word until I was ready, but I know that happens to all of us. Nevertheless, he turned and said unto Peter, (laughs) I've never heard Jesus say this, but I'm sure that he was thinking it. (laughs) Get thee behind me, Satan. You are an offense unto me because you're savoring not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. And this is a very clear point for us. This, to me, is the main point of this entire passage because it is the crux of the reason why we reject what the Lord is telling us. There is some thing in the Spirit, some change some, you know, it's a spiritual matter it's that we have to accept, but we have to reject something that has to do with our carnal nature. Pleasing man. There, there, therein hangs the tale for every one of us. And, and there's so many nuances. There's so many ways that, that we have that carnal nature that, that to please man others or ourselves whatever that that really is our hindering point but this is how we overcome that we have to go after him we have to deny ourselves which take up our cross and follow because whoever saves his life will lose it if you try to save any part of who you are you will lose But we have to be willing to lose every part of our Zoe, everything that sustains us, everything that, you know, gives us, you know, any kind I don't know, you know what I'm saying. Then we'll find the life and we'll also savor the things that be of God and not of man. But if you're always trying to please man in some way, and I'm not talking about each other, or even the outward people. I mean, really, it's here. We're ple- by pleasing others, we're doing something for ourselves. There's always the agenda of the me, the ego. So it always falls back on us, and how we move forward is to only die daily. I mean, this is not a new message, but to me, it's a, a new way I'm looking at this verse. And for all of us, going into the days of the end, we have to be willing to let go and to finally let some things die that we've been hanging on to. And some of these things that we're hanging on to, I believe, really stem from, um, you know, a root system, uh, you know, an essence part of us from our childhood. And it's become so much a part of us, the way we Things I've said this before because I know I've been shown it about myself, so I know that's where it's coming from. It's so deep, we're actually ignorant of it ourselves. Often, others can see things so clearly that you know we're doing or how you know how we're reacting or whatever, but we can't see it because it's just a part of our own viewpoint, it's a part of our perspective, and we've accepted it, we've not rejected that perspective, we've said it's okay to do that. And so we don't we can't receive correction on it because we think we're right in it i don't know we've got to we've really got to realize that laying down everything that has to do with our zoe our life our man pleasing of ourselves has to be laid down that means you're going to be rejected that means you're going to feel all the pain that jesus feel, felt and suffered in every way i mean there's scripture that actually backs that up i think i've read that somewhere we're going to, we have to feel all those things and suffer all those things that he suffered in order to be completely obedient and to not reject the word when Jesus brings it. I don't know, it, to me, this is just, and maybe he is just speaking to me. I want to receive it with my whole heart. I, I don't want to be the one that hinders me from hearing, seeing, knowing, and going. I mean, I've got to, to know um, in my heart that I'm I'm letting go of those things that are my own Achilles heel, as it were. (laughs) Because I got them. And I really don't want those to be the thing that causes me to fall. And, you know, sometime as we go forward and things, you know, get really difficult, more difficult than we've known for 25 years. And we've had some difficult times. Moving on to disciples, remember, John 2.18 Then answered the Jews and said unto him, what sign showest thou unto us, seeing that you doest these things? Jesus answered and said unto them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Then said the Jews, 46 years was this temple in building and you're gonna rear it up in three days? But he spake of the temple of his body. When therefore he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this unto them and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said so to me this verse really speaks of that sign that even though he was addressing the the Jews and their their mindset um, really what he said was obviously for the disciples at a later date because the the sign which is the Simeon really um, indicates the identity of God that's within a person when you, you've been established in that covenant relationship and you've accepted your commission and, you, and then signs follow or <laughs> when, <coughs> signs, wonders, and miracles. Those things follow someone who's walking in that point of identity. So Jesus, who was walking in that point of identity, it was proven further to the disciples that he was who he said he was and that what he was going to do because he had applied this sign was an application of the will, will of, of God upon him. The will of God was fulfilled. And so they hearken back to the things that they heard Jesus say. And they're like, wow, I remember he said this was going to happen. And, you know, when you hear that, when something happens to you and you're confirmed in something that you heard him say and then something happens, you're like, oh, my God, I remember when he said that to me. (laughs) And so it what? It, you know, it establishes what you believe, doesn't it? So signs... um, are for different reasons but certainly they they um, promote that belief and that really that confidence um, in the things that God is doing because he will speak of these things and he will show these things and we'll know we'll we'll know what's going on all right let's go to the next passage full exposure John 20 verse 19 Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst. And he said unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. That's Ido. Saw is Ido. And that just means to see and to know. Um, Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. So I just saw the connection here that he showed them, um, you know, some really important features (laughs) of his crucifixion so that they would believe who he was. And so they did, they were glad when they saw it because they knew that this was the Lord. And Jesus, of course, was um, going to be speaking to them about their mission. He declared peace unto them that what they did would be fulfilled successfully. But I did think it was interesting that um, these two words, sent and send, were apostello for Jesus, but pimpo, he was dispatching them. Not that they weren't sent. I think there are probably other patches that speak of when you know, um, the apostles were sent etc, but in this particular passage, there was a distinction: a more excellent way, 1 Corinthians 12:31 But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way, which he was speaking of the agape. Uh, best gifts, I thought that was interesting. Uh, description of the gifts they're from the throne Kratos but he's going to show us about the agape and he calls it a more excellent way and we um, will be reminded here as I read these definitions of um, the teaching that pastor gave regarding this word excellent it's hyperbole it's exaggerated speech colorfully imaginative description The New Testament was written in hyperbolic form because they were being asked to believe things beyond what they could imagine. God will speak to us in ways beyond what we know or understand. If we want to learn anything new in God, we have to be willing to go beyond the limits of what we have known. Any Mm -hmm. hyperbole in the spirit has to be based upon the foundation of the scripture. Our light affliction works something beyond what we can comprehend and that is so true I think that one of the most miraculous things that happens in every one of us is how he changes us through our afflictions um, and then hyperbole is the root of hyperbole and it means to reach or throw beyond the normal boundary to become what we have heard through grace God's grace will propel us farther, farther and take us beyond what we can accomplish in ourselves I really love this word, excellent. I think it's just really cool. But so going into the agape and him showing us the agape, so openly teaching um, us about the agape and how to pursue him, his plan, and um, that relationship is really something that will propel us forward in ways that we could not do ourselves. There's something about that seeking and that hunger and that breathing hard after what God wants to do. Think about this. 25 years ago, you know, pre, you know pre-Brownsville, I was not seeking after the purpose of God. I was not looking forward to how he was going to do something or what he wanted to do. But after Brownsville, and I'm sure it was sometime after we began, you know, started interceding and pastor was getting these revelations, but it became, for me at least, I'm, all I can do is speak for myself, there was something very dynamic and driving about the purpose of God for me. And I think that that is the one thing, through some of the thick and thins that I've had, that the purpose of God was the only thing I could really focus on so I would keep going forward. I had to know that I was planted here, and this is what he wanted, period. All the things that were going on around me, I could not allow that to influence me. But there's, so there's really something, um, it's, it's really dynamic about always looking forward. Always, always being expectant to partner with something. You know, you don't always know what it is. You don't always know what you're waiting for. But the fact that you always want to do it, that's a heart changer. That's really the thing that that kind of separates us from the general church, is that we're actually always projecting forward. And I'm telling you, that is a mindset. That is something that it's, don't you feel it? Don't you feel the pull of what, of being desirous, of knowing what God is going to do, And being with him in it somehow, I mean, you're always, always moving in that way. And so we've been talking about the purpose of God and moving forward. I mean, how many times have we used the word or phrase move forward? That has been a part of our vernacular for 25 years. I mean, it is almost like, you know, brainwashing because we are just moving forward, moving forward. I don't care how you're feeling. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care that you're having to stand, but you're moving forward. You don't be stagnant. Don't stand still. Don't, you know, keep driving, keep moving, keep, you know, being hungry. And that is really what separates us. I think from the general church. But that is this most excellent way. That's what the agape does. The agape drives you. It really does. I How that, you know, the chicken and the egg. I I don't know how it works. I just know that that passion for his purpose is a driving force that continues to uh, move us forward. Spiritual warfare, Matthew 4, 8. Uh, Again, the devil takes him up into an exceeding high mountain, and he shows him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And he said unto him, All these things will I give thee if you will fall down and worship me. Then said Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan! For it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shall you serve. Um, what was, you know, what really stood out for me in this particular verse is the fact that the enemy, he, he was able to show Jesus all this. He had that capacity. There is very little that's withheld from the enemy he knows what's up and he showed Jesus what was up he showed him all the kingdoms and the glory of them that pretty much when you said that encompasses everything that God created on this earth and in the realms whatever that would whatever that would encompass and include I just found that I mean we've seen this we've talked about this pastor's taught and I'm sure he's said that a million times and and I agree but that's what that's why I put that there just because you know we we need to recognize that the enemy is he's got a global agenda and we have seen that he is able to move in that way we have seen him impact in one little short period of time the entire world so let's put away our horns and our pitchforks and you know, all these silly diagrams of what the enemy can and can't do because we have no arms and feet. Um, there, he, is, he means real business. And what Jesus did there, rejecting that, I know that that completely teed him off because Jesus set the stage for what we're going to have to do through that same worship. Had Jesus fallen, well, where would we be? Nowhere. But Jesus set the stage for what we're doing in that instance with the enemy. The pattern, Hebrews 8, 5. Who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things, as Moses was was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. For see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern, Showed to thee in the mount. <clears throat> this is this is obviously um, a recount of what happened with Moses. It's also mentioned in Act seven forty four, and it says that Jesus horeaoed the fashion of the tabernacle. So those are two different words that speak of the way that that Moses was shown the tabernacle and how to um, erect it. So I just find that really interesting because this is talking about, again, openly showing something, something so detailed that you could actually build a building. I mean, so this is the way I really want the Lord, and I'm asking the Lord to move with his sons, that he would show us those things in detail, um, that we might horeo them, and that's to stare out to discern clearly and experience what God is desiring. Jesus and John. So in Revelation this is where we kind of started when I told you that I had read Revelation 1 and that is the first word that I saw and clicked on and the study was birthed from that moment. But the interesting thing about, and I just kind of wanted to bring this up, was you know, John was on the Isle of Patmos and it, is, it was said that he was exiled to that because of some things he did to, to, um, to make the fella mad, the guy in charge I can't remember what you call those people, but anyway, he was exiled to the Isle of Patmos but when you read what it says about john you know it was like almost like jesus being sent into the wilderness i mean john was sent to this place you know that god was completely on top of this so even though he was in exile this is where he got the revelation was in this point of being exiled so revelation 1 the revelation of jesus christ which god gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must surely come to pass I really want to contend with God on the word shortly. <laughs> I don't know about you all, but I, I wonder if God knows what that means. <laughs> I'm just playing. You know it. And he sent and signified by his angel unto his servant John. So I gave you a little explanation about John in Revelation 1.9. He says, I, John who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ. And he's talking to Jesus because Jesus is talking to him. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. And this is John's response. He said, "Um, I was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God. So even though he was exiled, you know, and it was obviously not something that John You know, it wasn't like he was taking a vacation. I feel like I'm supposed to go to the Isle of Pat Bose. I need to reserve me an airline ticket. No, he was exiled. So it was that without his, you know, agreement. But still, he knew that he was there for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. So in everything that John was doing, he recognized it was for the purpose of God. But this is the key. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet so it's clear that this also happened because he was spirit-minded he was in the spirit on the Lord's day and he was shown these things Revelation 4 1, 2 and this I looked and behold a door was opened in heaven and the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me which said come up hither and I will show thee things to come I mean things which must be hereafter and immediately I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And then there's three other passages where uh, the angel, sh- sh- an angel, showed him something, and etc. And those are listed there for you. But again, you know, when Jesus has something to show, or the Father, He is. You know, there will be times when He shows things very plainly. These, this, these next couple of pages are the derivatives that are found with um, deke, uh, de, Dekeo, and the first one is Anadekeo Numi, I mean, De Numi, Deke Numi. I'm sorry, I'm just kinda, I just kinda went on a little trip. <coughs> I got lost for a second, Anadeke Numi. And it's dake, nail. Uh, This word means to lift up and show, to show forth or declare. And there were probably 10 of these. So in this next section, I did really um, kind of try to pare down to just a couple of verses to show examples of these words. Luke 10, verses 1 and 2. After these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also and he sent them two and two before his face into every city and place whether he found uh, whether he himself would come therefore said he unto them the harvest truly is great but the laborers are few pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest so interestingly this word has been translated into the word appointed so what was going on is that these, these fellas, these 70, were being shown forth, appointed, to do this work. They were lifted up above the others, basically, and shown what they would be doing and what their, what their task would be. Um, just a couple of reminders. The harvest is great. That's polis. It means large or many, so that's not Maison there and the laborers being few, um, pastors told us about the oligos, the few there, which, you know, the oligos is just that, that vital element. that's um, small, but it brings life. It, it actually blossoms into a fulfillment point. Um, so these laborers, um, God had invested his power into them to bring forth his plan And they were, you know, the laborers are going to be what is brought forth to finish the end-time harvest, see? deomai this point of prayer, where we pray for the Lord of Harvest, it comes from that word deo, which means to bind. But this is to request someone to accept a burden of responsibility and to be bound to it. This is a prayer that we would find the will of God, we would submit to the will of God, and do the will of God. This expresses a point of supplication, because supplication is always that partnership prayer about the will of God. So that Deomai, they were really praying that God's will would be accomplished by bringing these labors, right? And then Acts 124, and they prosukomide and said, Uh, Thou, Lord, which knows the hearts of all men, show whether of these two thou hast chosen, that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. And they gave forth their lots. I thought of you, Monica. Mm -hmm. And the lot fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. So even in the beginning, With the apostles they threw lots to figure out what was going to happen here they obviously had been um, seeking the lord they prosuchomite to declare that the the disciples would be shown that god wanted to choose they threw lots and god did show who he wanted to be the apostle because it fell upon Matthias. That's just interesting. So in the Old Testament too, Monica, I was looking this up because of your question last week and this verse. I thought, ah, so where was this used in the Old Testament? So it was, it was used to divide land. It was used, the, the, the tribes used it all the time and the priests. And it was used in many places where they, threw lots to decide some, <laughs> whatever their question was, they used that as a form of knowing what God's will was very bizarre it think. is truly I mean it it's is bizarre example. it is like but like after just the strategy and what God is saying and then they mm-hmm. just toss the dice but the thing that's that is interesting is they believed that God would would speak through that and it was a definitive sign that they all could see so it wasn't like you said oh God told me but you were supposed to get this much land and you were you know it was the lots were drawn and they all saw what God was saying so they could there could be no dispute. That could be a reason for it. you know it was a, a clear sign to them what they should do. but anyway, I thought of you whenever <laughs> I saw this verse. What well, was getting really tired of being thrown? It uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> he was <laughs> He's been thrown, <laughs> <though>. uh-huh. he <laughs> be thrown around <laughs> All right, let's look at <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. Um, in Dake Numi to show forth or to prove. In Ephesians 2, 6 through 9, it says, And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Oh, I know you can see that big chart I have underneath there. I really got into this. Um, So we're shown these the riches of grace. I, folks, Dr. Agape, he has openly shown us the riches of his grace. And it has just gone deeper and deeper and deeper. And there have been many showings of this revelation. I just marvel. I really marvel at that. But I love how his grace is listed as in Christotis. So the grace is found when we are in Christotis. This, this Christotis is that partnership. It is that that extended hand of partnership that is empty. I want you to see how those root words go down to the bottom. We have been taught this many times, so this should just be a reminder. But I wanted you to see with your eyeballs. I want you to see the words. It literally says, when you click on these words, this comes from this, this comes from this, this is akin to this, blah, blah, blah. And so these words are all very interconnected, which give a big picture of what it means to be krestodes or to be crestos. Or to be a crayomai, because all these words all stem from the chair, which is that hand. That hand, that empty hand of partnership where you see nothing, but you, you take it anyway. In the hope of what God will do with that. But here is the thing that I also found. This is through Christ. Look at that. It's all the same words. Although it stems from Christos, which speaks of the Messiah who is anointed, and that Creo means to rub or to smear, but then everything else is boom, 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 all these words. So how is he going to show us this exceeding grace? It's going to show us in this partnership, in our acceptance of it, and our Christ-like walk. I just think that is really cool. Super, super cool. But two, we have th- this is a gift, and that's not the charisma; it's just a present, a sacrifice of God, and obviously we can take no credit. It's not of works, so that we can't take the credit. First Timothy, one twelve through sixteen, and I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that He counted me faithful. Putting me into the ministry. That's tithemi. Putting me into the ministry is a tithemi. We're talking about Paul, who was before a blasphemer, a persecutor, and injurious. But he attained mercy because he did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Howbeit, for this cause, again he says, I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering, for a pattern to them, praise the Lord, which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. This, we know when we think about the life of Paul and the things that he suffered, And it says that he's protos, meaning that in this, he went first, and he was really a bad dude. And it's really hard for any of us to compare ourselves to him because we haven't been running around killing Christians. Now, we're all bad, but I think he really is the worst of the lot. (laughs) I mean, he really, and that was a point that God wanted to make. It doesn't matter how bad you are. You can be accepted. By me, and I will extend my mercy to you, and you can obtain mercy. I, I just found that so amazing. Um, but also the point about so that he could show forth his long suffering. So, yay, this is the way it's going to be, folks. If you think you're going to get out of it, so let's sh- let's shoot down to the bottom of the page because this passage at the bottom also speaks about Paul and it's. I love the last line. So don't, don't, go, don't, don't go there yet. Acts 9, 13 through 16. Well, then Ananias, who's in the vision with the Lord, because the Lord's going to talk to him about Paul. And he's like, look, I want you to check this fellow out. And he's like, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he has done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on your name. But the Lord said to him, "Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me, to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel." <laughs> this is what This is what he's going to show. <laughs> for I will show him how great things he must suffer <laughs> for my name's sake. He didn't say how great he was going to be, <laughs> cuz he's going to be great. He's going to be amazing. <laughs> That's not what I'm going to show what I'm going to show are all the things he's going to have to suffer that is amazing folks that is an amazing verse wow it says so much and I don't even have to explain it because I know you guys feel it (laughs) I know you know I don't know explaining but that is just so I just thought that was really cool (laughs) tells you about the faith of Ananias too because he was being told to walk right into the lion's mouth right so this guy could kill me you know if he's not a changed man, but there he was, wow, all right, let's see what the time says, 9.53, okay, epi numi, to exhibit display with a special interest in one's own action, so Acts 18, verse 27 and 28, and when Apollos was disposed to pass into Achaia, The brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him who, when he was come, helped them much which had believed through grace. For he mightily convinced the Jews, and that publicly, showing by the scriptures that Jesus was Christ. You know, Apollos, I looked him up because I remember that he was, you know, um, really smart and all that. But it says that he was eloquent, he was mighty in scriptures, he was instructed in the way of the Lord, and he was fervent in spirit. So this fellow was really... Really moving, and teaching, um, and and it says here that you know that many were shown publicly in the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ through Apollo's work, and I just wanted to sh- I just wanted to show you all that that look he was showing by the scriptures we have the same empowerment to show by the scriptures what God is doing. And what his word says. Hebrews six seventeen through nineteen, wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of His counsel, He confirmed it by an oath. That by two immutable things, in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation. That is, Ischorus pericles, mm-hmm. who have fled for refuge, shall lay hold upon Creteo, the hope set before us, Prokema. How many teachings are in this one little verse? This is this is insane. Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. So, he's given us, um, he's given us this promise. He's you know he's basically made this covenant with us, confirmed it by an oath, and he's get to, so that we would have this strong consolation, this ischorus periclesis. Ischris is connected with the Arche. So it's a foundational situation. It's God's foundational intent along with that paraclesis. So then what would this Ischris paraclesis be? It would be a foundational calling forth. From the foundation, the things that God has called us to be from the foundation, we are being called alongside. We're being made aware of that. It's part of what gives us that confidence. And that crateo, that crateo um, of the hope that's pro that's before us. You know, the chamai is the objective. The pro is how we view that, that objective. So I, I love this this verse, the hope, the anchor of our soul. Um, you know, I have not sent in my first priority word. Um, but I just feel like hope is something that God is giving yeah, right you. now. <laughs> I need to send in my first word <laughs> well I just saw that word hope and it kind of reminded me that I hadn't done that yet because I just feel like everything I've done and all the activities that we've done particularly through the month of the teacher seer has I mean like you know that day the seven I mean every time I, I did that um, hello, where I always ended up was hope I mean, it was just like giving me hope. Hope in this, hope in this. Whatever I was saying, whatever the God was having me declare and praise Him for, I just felt hope. That was the end result, the end game. And that's the anchor of our soul. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, Matthew, oh, hupo deknumi, to show secretly, to make known, or to warn. And Matthew, uh, 3 verses 7 and 8, but when John the Baptist saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you <laughs> to flee from the wrath to come? Well, bring forth therefore fruits, meet for repentance, which of course they were not going to do, because they were from Abraham, and you know, they did not need to repent. But here's the thing. How do we flee the wrath that come? Boom! We have to bring forth fruit of repentance. But they were warned. They were shown. They were actually shown openly, even though many or most actually rejected that. But there were some Jews who were turned and who did repent. And um, but not not most, as we know. Luke 6:46 to 48. And why call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Whosoever cometh to me and heareth me, my sayings and doeth them, I'm going to show you who he is like. He's like a man that built a house, digged it deep, laid the foundation on a rock, and when the flood came and the stream beat vehemently upon the house, could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. And I loved this verse because we are showing forth that strength that foundation by what who comes to jesus who hears his sayings and does them that is our rock that is our strength we are immovable if we do those things and that is showing forth it really is i look at you and you are a show of this. You are a house on a rock. I can see this. And um, I just think that's really cool. Now, my last words are going to be this. The last page, I just did a sh- little study for you from that Christotis. I wanted you to see where this word was used. These are amazing passages of partnership. I'm not going to go for over, over them with you. I mean, I did it for you so you could read them if you have an interest. But, and also, as you can see, that Matthew 11, that Crestos. My yoke is Crestos. That is not easy. But that's what that is. It's my burden is Crestos. It's a partnership where you look at something that isn't, you know, fully developed. It's empty in a winter, it's, you know, the storm. I mean, you have all the descriptives, but that's that—that's what that yoke is, and we yoke ourselves to Him in that partnership. We we are completely committed. But anyway, that's an that's just for you if you want it. There were only like ten verses, so it was an easy thing to do. And so let me pray. It doesn't even have any comments. I mean, I was just going like a rocket. So if anybody has anything they want to add, maybe it's just too late. <laughs> I was on a mission father I want to thank you for this word I want to thank you for what you are showing your sons in this hour I want to thank you for your partnership and um, really for the opportunity for partnership that just continues to be extended to us in growth and in depth and the way you continually move us into a new aspect of learning about you and understanding that death between us as deep calls unto deep we are known as we know as we are known and i just feel us stepping into that in just greater depths of understanding i pray father that you would open our eyes and our ears in this season that we in ourselves our carnality our weakness our infirmity that grace would be sufficient to open and to to help us to overcome those things that hinder us from moving completely in what you're showing. God, we love you, we praise you, and give you thanksgiving from our hearts for all that you have done, and we praise you for all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.